In this episode of Fictional Hangover, we talk about swears being self-care. Eyes and fangs and shit everywhere. And doing hard drugs and necromancy. In our discussion of Dracula Motherfucker? Written by Alex DeCampi and illustrated by Erica Henderson. I don't know how else to say that. I don't either. That's exactly how I've been saying it. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. Hey everybody, welcome to Fictional Hangover, a podcast about young adult and new adult and sometimes other books, series, authors, voice actors, and illustrators that is full of spoilers. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. And today we're going to discuss Dracula Motherfucker! (laughs) (laughs) Written by Alex DeCambi and illustrated by Erica Henderson. Standard disclaimer. If you haven't read this book, please remember that Fictional Hangover is all about spoilers. If you haven't read and don't want to be spoiled, stop listening to us and go read the book. Then come back. If you haven't done this but want to pretend that you have, or if you don't care about spoilers, or if you just like the show so much that you don't care about any of that, then listen up. (laughs) Motherfuckers! Motherfucker! We need to, like, in this episode of Fictional Hangover, it's going to be full of expletives. (laughs) Yes. This episode of Fictional Hangover there is will full be of motherfuckers. It's like all it's like getting a Jackson time. Ford book and being like, oh my god, the swears in it. No shit, Sherlock. Yeah. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so I just have to say that my background info perfectly fits with this because it's the reason why it's called Dracula Motherfucker. Tell me, tell me, tell me. So, okay, I read an interview, and it's about calling the book Dracula Motherfucker. Uh, And it was with Comic-Con in 2020. The secret history of the title is that it came about years ago, when me and the artist Coop were arsing about on the internet. He's a good friend. We have a lot of similar influences. He asked something like, if your vagina was named after a classic literary character, what would it be? Don't say Miss Havisham. And I responded, Dracula, motherfucker! <laughs> and then we made a comic. <laughs> the end. Perfect. Yep. Yep. There hasn't been any pushback on the title that I've heard. Quite the contrary. I've had anecdotal accounts of people having a blast calling up their local comic store to order it. Look, 2020 sucks, and giving people a joyful way to shout motherfucker at each other is self-care. Oh my god. That... Can we have that as the episode quote? I know we usually go for like a quote from the book, but I feel mm-hmm. like saying shouting motherfucker is self-care needs to be the episode quote. You know, if we don't have if we don't encounter anything better, then yes, I think that's fantastic. But I also included other quotes from this interview for later on in the episode. It might not quite meet these standards but it's it's more good quotes it was a good interview i actually included the link to it as well because the whole interview is great oh so maybe we should share that definitely i'm gonna have to have a read of that that sounds amazing um didn't we pick dracula motherfucker dracula motherfucker sorry god i love that so much um say it the right way didn't we pick this for a couple of reasons one so we can shout dracula motherfucker at every available opportunity yes two we like a graphic novel three it's a 
part of our banned book theme. Yes. And I don't know if anyone's necessarily banned this one or not, but I mean, it's got motherfucker in the title, so people probably turn their noses up at it. It's got lots of murder. So much murder. Um, Sexual abuse. Yeah, it's Psychological great, abuse. Full of great, great stuff. Yeah, so... But you know, but you know what, Amanda? Do you know people who ban books? They're motherfuckers. They are motherfuckers. Now, I think that I found this one first, yeah, which is did. not not normally something that happens when we talk about graphic novels. But I found it like accidentally on Hoopla, which if you have a library card and your library has access to Hoopla, you should use it because there's lots of books and ebooks brilliant. audiobooks and movies and music and there's so much so much stuff available on hoopla so everyone go and get a library card and the loan pit time is so big it's well it's not like yeah. this measly seven days or 14 days you've got up for the yeah. month no yeah uh september is also national library card sign up month so just had to just had to talk about that for a second, too. So everyone go sign up for a library card at your local library, and hopefully they have Hoopla. Or Libby. Libby's also fine, too. But sometimes Hoopla is better. Go and sign up at your local library. And then go and sign up at another library that you may go to near your place of business, if they allow. Yes. I yes. have. I've signed up for my local re- my local council library and the one in near where I work. And I asked them, does it matter that I don't live in the catchment, in the any catchment? And they went, yeah, you could live in London and we'll sign you up. We don't care. I'm like, this is what I like to hear. Because yeah, librarians nice. are the best. Yes. Yes, librarians are the best. Yeah, don't mess with a librarian. Don't. Don't fuck with a librarian. No, don't fuck with a librarian. <laughs> okay. Um, I guess that's my initial thoughts, is that I shockingly somehow found this one. I thought your initial thought was, uh, don't mess with the librarians. Don't fuck with librarians. Yeah, also that. Also All of that. Also It's fine. fine. (laughs) I don't know. Okay, let's dig in, shall we? Yes, please. Vienna, 1889, is a city in love with death. After a view of the cityscape, we are shown three women. One stares into the distance, looking determined. Another handles a spear. And the last drinks a dark red liquid from a wine glass. Her expression, thoughtful. Next, we're shown a woman, dead, on a luxurious four-poster bed. A man lying next to her, holding a gun. Motherfuck. Finally, we see a figure holding its cloak closed with withered hands, seemingly flying through the streets. Its face or mask has large fangs, and its eyes are sharp slits, and its cloak is fucking covered with crosses. It's beautiful. (laughs) Death is also in love with Vienna. But all things end. The three women spear the cloaked figure, place the body into a sarcophagus, nail the creature to the bottom, and close it up. They plan to bury it, and so long as the figure remains nailed to the bottom, they know he can't hurt anyone. Ooh. Ooh. Los Angeles, 1974. A city in love with youth. At a Hollywood party, Bebe Buland is raising the stakes 
She leaves the party and goes into a room crowded with lit candles, which, if you ask me, is a very big health and safety hazard. And at the centre is a sarcophagus. <gasps> Bebe pulls the nails out of the creature inside and it slowly emerges. Ricky, one of the party goes, goes to look for Bebe. Um, I don't think things are going to turn out very well for Ricky. No. R.I.P. Ricky. <laughs> Meanwhile, Quincy Harker is on a payphone talking to his police contact. Quincy sees a city falling apart and his contact agrees. He's got another corpse for Quincy to photograph. Quincy drives to the Hollywood home and the officers there warn him the crime scene is an ugly one. And holy shit, they aren't wrong. It's front page stuff. Quincy gets to work taking picture after picture of dead bodies littering the home. In the last, he snaps a shot of Bebe Boland. As police tell Quincy he's done, their backs are turned to Bebe. So they don't see her eyes open. Oh! Ooh. Ooh. Ah, she's a vampire! Quincy is in a dark room developing the photos he took from the crime scene. He's on the phone trying to sell the pictures and in his sales pitch he tells them that there were so many bodies the cops run out of chalk and eight people are dead including Barbara Buland, the Hollywood actress. He asks for $200 for his best five photos. The newspaper, however, offers $25 for the full set as Buland will be making a statement at 3pm and they want to be respectful of her trauma. Hang on, what? Another Wait, newspaper man... a picture of her corpse? Yeah, well, apparently she's doing a press conference at 3. Another newspaper <laughs> man is not so bothered with respect, though, because he wishes there were more leg visible in Baby's pictures, or better yet... Boobs, he is gross. His best offer is $20. What a motherfucker. Oh, motherfucker. Later that night, after Bebe's statement to the press, Quincy drives around waiting for work, but finds none. Early the next day, the newspapers are dropped off at newsstands with the headline, Bebe Boland's Secret Snuff Film. Finally, Quincy gets a lead to the river. The dead girl he takes photos of has strange puncture marks on her neck. As Quincy is leaving, a woman beckons him over to her car. It's Baby. Quincy declines getting into her car, so Baby says they'll have to do it the hard way. As a creature made of black smoke with many sharp eyes and a mouthful of fangs appears behind Quincy. Oh shit. Quincy refuses to look at the creature as it beckons him. This feels like to me, uh, I if I don't look at you, you can't see me kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Eventually, Quincy looks and is mesmerised by the bright red eyes and the voice of Dracula telling him, come closer, closer still. Yes. Dracula gathers Quincy in his arms, fangs bared and ready to rip into his throat. Before the fangs pierce Quincy's neck, a woman holding a sword comes running toward them. She leaps and drags Dracula from Quincy. Dracula bellows, You ungrateful whore, I made you. <laughs> it's one of Dracula's wives who turned on him in 1889. She grabs Quincy by the arm and drags him away to a rooftop. 
While Quincy tries to deny what he saw, she points out that he saw the marks on the victim's neck. He knows exactly what it is. Well, fuck. (laughs) The next night, security camera footage of the coroner's office shows the dead girl by the river opening her eyes, walking through the halls with a sheet wrapped round her and leaving the office as Dracula narrates that he cannot have just one bride. Bebe is outside waiting for her. Meanwhile, in a bar, Quincy is having a few stiff drinks with a steak for company. (laughs) Eventually, Quincy starts calling around for work and gets offered $50 for some pictures of a party at 10086 Sunset. Unfortunately, Quincy doesn't know the person he got the job from is being controlled by Dracula. Once the address is given, Dracula orders the man to offer his throat and his two wives feed. Motherfucker. Motherfucker. (laughs) Outside the dive bar Quincy has been drinking in are three women, one of whom was his savior the night before. They want to help him, but he doesn't want their help. While Quincy wants to do his job, the three women, who reveal they are Dracula's ex-wives, want to help him take on Dracula and tell him he's got to know the party is a trap. Knowing what's best for him to stay alive, Quincy accepts their help and gets into their car. They arrive at 10086 Sunset, and Quincy is greeted by an imposing figure dressed in red, their face covered by a red skull mask with a broad white toothy grin, holding a candelabra. The figure welcomes Quincy inside and gestures for him to go upstairs. There is no one there when Quincy reaches the top, just a large room with huge windows and a view of the Elia skyline. Quincy takes out his camera as hands reach for him from behind. Before he is grabbed, one of the ex-wives says, Stop! The ex-wife lifts the red skull mask from Quincy's would-be attacker, revealing Bebe, now one of Dracula's new wives. The ex tells her she knows Dracula promised her everything. Eternal youth, power, beauty. But why does he only go after young brides? Why does he play them against each other, when the only one he cares about being strong is himself? Dracula's new bride denies these lies and says she is different, so they begin to fight. The ex tries to tell Bebe that Dracula always lies to them before killing them and taking their power for himself, then finding a new sucker. To escape, Bebe crashes through a window and jumps out. As Quincy and the ex gather themselves, a tick, tick, ticking can be heard before... Kaboom! (laughs) Motherfucker! Quincy flies out of the window and lands on the ground. He's been staked by his own weapon. Now that is a motherfucker moment. Motherfucker. He's bleeding and his camera is smashed. Dracula finds him and sets his other bride onto Quincy, where the first failed him. As she wraps her hands around Quincy's neck, he pulls the stake from his side and plunges it into her chest. Dracula screams, Incompetent woman! and takes the life and power from her, leaving her a shriveled husk. The three ex-wives are watching. This is perfect. Dracula is at his most vulnerable when he feeds. One ex volunteers to take on Bebe and rushes toward her. 
Grabbing Bebe, who pleads for mercy, the X transforms into a many-eyed white wolf creature. The other ex-wives follow suit, also transforming into white many-eyed creatures, and attack Dracula, who is holding Quincy in his arms. As the ex-wives attack, Quincy is dropped to the ground. What happens next is a mass of tooth and claw and blood, and it's beautiful. (laughs) The ex-wives have their own power, greatly increased since 1889. They were good students who made their own wives and grooms just like Dracula taught them. Motherfucker! (laughs) (laughs) The students have become the master. Motherfucker! (laughs) After the ripping and tearing ends, one transforms back into a woman. She's naked, blood running down her mouth and throat. In her hands, she holds the shriveled head of Dracula. As she crushes it between her hands, she tells it, Bye, Daddy. Later, in Los Angeles, 1974, a city of second chances, Quincy Harker wakes up in a Hollywood Hills house. Three women with fangs sit at the bottom of his bed, wine glasses filled with a red liquid in their hands. Welcome to the club, Quincy Harker. So good. Oh, it's so good. Okay, so everyone, um, take a little bit of a break. Practice your best motherfucker. Motherfucker. And then come back and listen to the rest of our episode. How can you say motherfucker in many different ways? Wow. Welcome to our discussion. This is the Novel Universe with your hostesses, Dawn and Ashley. We rate and review the newest and most buzzworthy books. We are true book club ladies that don't always agree, but we do enjoy a good book discussion. You can find the Novel Universe on Apple, Spotify, and Google, where we post new episodes twice a month. I'm Dawn, the criticizer of books. And I'm Ashley, the fantasy architect. So grab your favorite beverage and join our universe. I really, I love this book. I love how dark the illustrations are. And I also love that Dracula has his own font. (laughs) Now, I love how dark the illustrations are, but they are full 70s Technicolor. Oh, yes. Oh, it's it's so beautiful. It's not like it's black and white. This is a full color um, comic. And it just reeks, it embodies the feel of the decade. Oh, it does. Oh, it does. I read a lot about the coloring and everything. There's like essays in the back of the comic, by the way, that talk about their illustrations and like why Erica chose what she chose. And it's just, it's amazing. It's beautiful. And something that I, that I read, but I also noticed while I was reading it is that it's never daytime. Yeah. It's always nighttime in this book. So that just adds to the darkness and the creepiness yeah. of everything. But like it's not like Dracula's gonna come out during the day. So I mean to be sense. fair, he could. Dracula has that power. Dracula can do whatever Dracula wants. Yeah. Well, it depends on your interpretation of Dracula in all fairness. 
That's true. Something else that I really enjoyed about, you know, like reading background info for this and those essays, those essays were amazing, is that Alex DeCampi was like, I will die on this hill. Dracula is not handsome. He's a fucking monster. He's a creep. He's a creepy monster. And that's why he's, you know, all eyeballs and teeth. <laughs> well, I I agree. I agree. Um, I don't recall when I read Dracula deeply um, the memory saying that Dracula was a handsome man. Um, he had an aura about him, but not that he was physically an attractive person. I think it's Gary Oldman's fault. Now, I would dispute that Gary Oldman <laughs> is an attractive Dracula. Um, you pull it off much, you're much more handsome as, as Gary Oldman's Dracula than Gary Oldman is as Dracula. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Thank you for that. Oh, That's a huge compliment. Oh, I, I don't know. Is yours Gary Oldman's Dracula or is yours Fart Oldman? Think, <laughs> it's Fart it, it feels like we're, we're harking back to, to go, yes. But I'm sure yours is Fart Oldman. Um <laughs> But yeah, I mean, uh, no, no offense to to Gary Oldman. He's not an attractive. He's not a traditionally attractive man. No, you're right. But I mean, if anyone is wearing a top hat and tiny weird purple glasses, well, yeah, and having a suit and a cane. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. definitely. I, I, I. The the one thing I struggled with the Dracula in this one was trying to figure out. If it was cloaked and cut, like the face, especially say the first time we see Dracula when in the running scene, mm-hmm. we see Dracula and the holding on to a cloak, obviously holding on to a cloak. But because mm-hmm. everything is in full black, I struggle to see. Well, is the eyes and the mouth part of a mask? Is it their face? Is it a hood that's covering them? You know, are they keeping their skin on? Like, mm. I th- and I think it feels like, right, probably rightly so, there's a matter of interpretation is what you see in the illustration, which sure. is one of the good things about having graphic novels. And certainly I've read this twice. I read it, I literally sat down. <laughs> I was waiting for my child to get ready. And I just plucked myself down on the bed, picked the book up and literally read it cover to cover. Um, Not that I'm saying my child took that long to get ready. I mean, he did. But, I could read it very... I read it very quickly. It's not a long story at all, by mm-hmm. any means. Um, the essays at the back very much pad out the book. Um, rightly so. They are very good, very interesting. So if you give the, get the opportunity to read them, please do. Um, but it's a very quick read. But certainly the second time I read through it a bit more, to like to study it a bit more, to help write the summary, um, I noticed a lot more details about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was things like, well... Is is that a cloak? Is it Dracula keeping their skin on? You know, how how is that working? Because it is just a black mass. You can't see. There's no detail. And probably rightly so for Dracula, there's no detail. Um, Just lots of crosses, which was creepy. I loved the cross cloak. It was amazing. And, like, I love that Dracula is never more than eyes and fangs and, like, an arm. And it's so, all like, withered. He, oh, except at the like, end, you see, you finally see the withered skull. 
I really that that's probably one yeah. of my favorite panels was the ex naked, and especially because she is a curvy voluptuous. She is yeah. not a size zero at, uh, oh. girl, and it's like yeah okay. Like we always say, representation matters. It was nice to see somebody who had curves to her holding. I mean, you don't see any explicit nudity in this, but the right. way she's holding Dracula's skull, and you just, that's a beautiful panel. Absolutely yeah. beautiful. And yeah. then smash. Yeah. Oh, bye, yeah. Daddy. Yeah. Oh, damn, I love that. Yeah, so good. So I mentioned at the beginning of the episode that I had pulled more quotes from the background info. Yeah. And this is from Erica Henderson. She said, there's so much potential for expression in eyes. It was more fun to just have more eyes, more expression, because literally some of the panels are just only eyes. They're only eyes. And the way the eyes are drawn goes back to what you were saying about the like 70s vibe. She took a lot of patterning from you know, weird paisley prints and all of that swirly 70s and made the eyes like into that shape. Then Alex DeCampi adds, "Eyes are an absolutely primal visual cue." We as prey beasts are hardwired to look for eyes in our environments as a way of looking out for predators. So to see a bunch of eyes on a page in a way that doesn't quite fit or make sense sends the lizard parts of our brain into a bit of a spiral. I love that. I adore that. I've been watching a lot of um, really terrible... paranormal programs at the moment where they're not just hunting for ghosts they're going like for cryptids and stuff as well and they're going in the middle of the jungle and they talk about eye shine and how these particular monsters have got a different color eye shine and how different animals have different eye shine like cats have different eye shine compared to reptilians and it's just so freaking interesting how messed up nature is and you just think well dracula's gonna have eye shine and it's going to have many, and that's creepy as. And it just, yeah, it's exactly what you're saying. We're just, both of us are just hung up on this. It's amazing how, imagine being in this dark city, and it's a city that you know is just like, it's hitting on itself. And it's just false. And you're just looking around, and all of a sudden out of the dark, all of these eyes. You are going to shit your pants like a motherfucker. Oh, yeah. Oh, you definitely are. 100%. Fecal matter explodes everywhere. It doesn't matter if you've just been, yeah. it, honestly. No, crazy. it's just it's just eyes and fangs and shit everywhere. Yeah. All over the place. It's amazing. It's it's brilliant. Do you know what I I think it's probably indicative of the like, the Dracula character as well. We don't know the names of any of the exes. I know. I really like that. And I also like how diverse they are oh yes it's not just it's not like every other time you see dracula's brides which in my mind i immediately go to the wrong place dracula dead and loving it and his brides are all you know they're all white women and then they're beautifully like floating through the air singing and then he's like stop that and then they all start slouching off but they're all white they're all white well, but uh, these it, aren't. Yeah, and if, if you, they're if you think about exactly, if you think about um, Dracula, Bram Stoker's Dracula, the 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 
the one with Gary Oldman. And then if you think about, um, oh God, the Hugh Jackman, Van Helsing movie. No, don't even talk about that. I'm sorry, but the three wives do play a big part in it and they're all stunning, skinny white women. Yeah. So yeah, I totally, I'm totally with you that they are 100% a diverse casting. Yeah. Oh, they're so beautiful too. And you do learn their names if you read the back matter. They have names. But they're not mentioned in the text at all, and it's fantastic. Exactly. I mean, they're never, ever named. The wives are never named in anything, really. Cat and Cannon, Dracula, they're not named. They barely spend any time in the book, realistically. Um, They're there to get horny over Harker, really. And it's, yeah, it's a disservice to them. And it's, it's kind of like... It's kind of like Dracula purposely does it to remove any autonomy from them yeah and it's it's an abuse of his power and it's a controlling mechanism so the fact that they're taking back this control very aggressively beautifully so yeah Yeah. i like that dracula like kills his brides and absorbs their power and so then at the end of this one they're like yeah we did the same thing motherfucker and then they turn into beasts made of eyes and fangs and you know then they're able to to kill him finally and that's really really amazing but that that i guess kind of leads me to to my surprise really and it's not really a surprise it's more of a question and so i wanted to ask you what you thought about them having quincy at the end are they gonna, are they gonna, like put him up on a pedestal like Dracula, or are they just making him a groom, and they're gonna continue, you know, turning turning people, creating this brides is interesting. And this is interesting. and absorbing their powers. What do you think? Yeah, this is interesting because it's it kind of harkens onto. <laughs> Pardon the pun. Uh, I know, my God. <laughs> sorry, it was unintentional. Uh, to my surprise, which is that they even bother to keep Quincy around. Because he, I mean, granted, he got, I think it was the River Girl. He he staked River Girl. Yeah. Well, um, I, I guess it's just be- like he helped. He helped them. And maybe he's, I don't know, maybe they have grand plans for him. I think or... he's a groom. He well, is yeah, not. He's have... not going to replace Dracula. They, no. you know, this. Why is... would they create another Dracula? I think they have grand plans for him, and that they see that he has, you know, power and strength or whatever, and then they're just going to eat him later. Yeah, I think it's a, a case of he's useful now. He obviously had undergone some sort of during the violence, you know, being staked. By his yeah. own stake, the Muppet. Um, <laughs> and killing and having been bitten by Dracula. I think his turning was inevitable. He's mm-hmm. useful now. And as soon as his use is finished, he will be absorbed into the collective of the L Legion. Yes. Imagine how powerful they are now that they've taken out Dracula. Assuming they were able to absorb his powers and not just rip him to shreds. Well, you know, even if you just rip him to shreds, that's going to give you, like, I don't want to say an inflated sense of ego, but 
you're going to feel really powerful. That's going to last for a few decades, isn't it? It's going to last for a while. Yeah. You're going to be able to eat off that for a little while. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. After you crush his skull. Yes. 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 I know we jokingly talk about, you know, if we met a vampire, we'd be like, oh, hello. And just like tossing our hair back and showing our neck and stuff. Mm-hmm. But you know when Baby at the beginning went into that room at a Hollywood party, there's a room filled with lit candles. Health and safety sure. violation completely. Yes. And then freaking... It's the 70s, man. It, that's the 70s, man. Dracula's <laughs> sarcophagus is in this freaking room. It's like, hang on, you've, you, you're in a freaking party. And you've just gone into the room to where there's a sarcophagus. Yeah, okay. Fine. Okay, we'll go with that. Yeah. See, then, I think this is... Oh, go ahead. My thought is, would you honestly set Dracula free? Knowing how much of a motherfucker he is, he he is not going to be your best friend. He may turn you, but he is going to, you know, subjugate you. I am pretty sure that you don't want to be the first person Dracula sees when you pull him from the bottom of his coffin because he's going to eat that person immediately. So you'd have to, like, pull the nail out and run and let him eat everyone else at the party and then come back and be like, hi, I pulled the nail out. It was me. I brought all these people here so you could eat them. I'm helping you. And then maybe he would be like, yeah, okay. But I like the idea that at this ritzy 70s party, I just like to think that they were like, hey, yeah, we found this sarcophagus. Let's open it up. And like everybody's high and drunk. <laughs> we found this. Whoa. And then they. Okay. Oh, so instead of playing lights a feather or just get the Ouija board out, what we're going to do is we're going to take these nails out of this dead guy in a coffin that we found. Yeah. Just for shit. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I can see it. I can see it happening. I mean, to be fair, they'll have been cocaine and everything all over the place. You know? Yeah. Sometimes you just need snacks and sometimes you need to raise the dead. Yeah. I mean, why not? (laughs) What else do you do at a 70s party? (laughs) (laughs) There is nothing else to do. Acid? Raise a corpse. (laughs) <laughs> yeah do some coke raise a corpse <laughs> what's a 70s party without necromancy <laughs> that's the only thing that there was to do in the 70s necromancy necromancy <laughs> hard drugs and necromancy hard drugs and necromancy it's the way to go <laughs> Do you know what? I don't actually think this is the first time I've had a conversation about hard drugs and necromancy this week, which is very worrying. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I mean, we've got we've got Gideon the Ninth coming up too, which involves a lot of necromancy and probably some hard drugs if they could get them. That's true. Bear in mind, I haven't spoken for three days of this week as well. Are you talking to yourself about hard drugs and necromancy? No, I have had conversations with other living people. Honest. I'm not going to say scouts on it because I was never a scout. Okay. Yeah, don't lie. Jesus, Claire. 
<laughs> Don't lie about being a scout. That's how you get done. <laughs> They're cool for you. We are 100% honest in every episode of Fictional Hangout. <laughs> fine is it time for would you rather <laughs> did, we cover, did we cover who our favorites are she would just underline it with the x's and be done i mean yeah i don't know why would you choose anyone else i mean i'm not gonna choose that jerk news person who no. wanted more boobs of the corpse no freak. no we don't we don't want we don't like that guy Mm-mm. don't like baby she was an idiot yeah no the x's are the only choice oh i mean you could like quincy i guess yeah um, let's go to Would You Rather. <laughs> pew, 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 pew. <laughs> we asked on social media, would you rather be a vampire in 1889 or 1974? And on Facebook, 100% said 1974. On Instagram, 57% said 1889. And on TikTok, it was 74% with 1974. So it's a little bit of a mix. Yeah. Yeah. We have some comments. Mm -hmm. Drew on Facebook said, I feel like you could just do more in 1974. Bree on Facebook says, Ugh, 1889 has better outfits and architecture, but they would be more superstitious. And I am a lady. 1974 will make my eyes hurt, but at least I'll have more ability to do stuff by comparison. <laughs> Colin on Facebook says, I have to say 1974. It's closer to the modern world and I could invest in Apple in a couple of years' time. Then I could be the world's richest vampire, beloved by the masses and feared by my enemies. I'd be like Lestat, except less of a prat, but not like Louis. He's just a bit wet, isn't he? So yeah, 74, please. Nina on Facebook says 1974. Quick and easy international travel would just make eternal existence so much easier. Basements and bunkers are more readily accessible, if we're traditional, not glittery vamps. The opportunities for power and wealth would be easier too. And Glim Glam Jen on Instagram said, picture this, an elegant gown, pink of course, a large bustle and lots of lace. Hold on. And then she sent us a link with the picture to which it is inserted <laughs> into our script notes. Very pretty. Very pretty. Right, now you've seen my dress. So in my bustle, which is a cage, I'm going to keep a bunch of bats. <laughs> I hit the parry, parry, lips blood red from snacking on the coachman and accept a dance from the choicest bachelor. We reach the centre of the floor and I release the bats. People see my shapely legs. <gasps> Cue scandal. Then I feast amidst the chaos. Oh, uh, 1889 vampire, of course. (laughs) (laughs) I love how Glim Glam Jen has obviously heard our prayers and she is just raising the bar. It's a thing of beauty. (sighs) Finally, GodAce19 on TikTok says 1889 vampires were portrayed as stronger. So that's fine. How do you follow Glim Glam Jen? Uh, by agreeing with her, I think. <laughs> do you know what? I get I get what people are saying, like, 1974 would be easier in terms of, like, international travel and stuff. But, mm-hmm. like, 1889, I think, would be easy because there's less streetlights. Yeah, there's <laughs> less streetlights. There's not 
newspaper photographers running all around taking pictures of all the corpses you leave behind exactly and you know if we have to be traditionally dressed in you know dresses and stuff which i'm not saying we have to be because you know we break the curve you can hide weaponry and stuff in your dress so many places so So many places i'm gonna go for 1889 just because well this, this, the, I mean, there's probably the same amount of hard drugs and necromancy as in the 70s as we've discussed. But I just like the atmosphere of it a little bit more. Yeah. Generally speaking. Yeah. There's, you know, probably more like laudanum in the, in oh, the yes. 1800s. So, opium. Yeah. Yes. There's, so yeah, I mean, there's opium. lots of opium. <laughs> so while the 70s do classier drugs and necromancy, in 1889, we do laudanum, opium and, 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 and necromancy. Yes. Yeah. I'm also picking 1889. I feel like I would be less likely to be caught. Yes. Being a vampire. And also, I mean, it's just it's just a beautiful time to wear big frilly dresses filled with bats. If you're Glim Glam Jen. And, you know, you can hide your bladed fan. You can have all sorts of weaponry hidden all over your person like you were saying i feel like it's just a better time time i'm going to have a party a ball a masquerade ball it has to be a masquerade ball in 1889 which is essentially the masquerade 1889 version of the opening scene from blade yeah yeah let's do it cool okay invitations going out good Next question. Would you rather be a photographer working for the police or for a newspaper? Uh, police, based on the newspaper people, are scumbag motherfuckers. <laughs> I need more boobs in these pictures, Quincy. Could have showed a bit of leg. You know, at Ugh. least if you're taking pictures of corpses for the police, it's like, it feels more legitimate if you're doing it for newspapers, you it's more it, there's less there's no respect. Yeah, I feel like it's slightly less disgusting to be working with the police. You know, you can get good photos, and you know maybe if you sell them on the side later. Well, you need you need you, to but... feed your hard drug and necromancy. Right, you need to be able to buy your coke. Yes. If you don't buy your coke, you can't perform the necromancy. It's not how it works in the 70s. Yeah, that is not not how any of this works. (laughs) Okay, let's move on. Next question. Would you rather be a solo vampire or in a trio? Hmm. I'm going to say trio. Because yeah. for all the fact that you're working, you know, you're with two other people, it's more like a coven deal than yeah. my would you rather, you know, Lord and Master of all us of air. So yes. we don't have to be joined at the hip. We don't have to be connected together and go around everywhere and be in everybody's pockets at all the time. But, yeah. you know, hello, we're kick-ass lady vampires. We can have this massive mansion on a hill that's yeah. all spooky and haunted as well. And you can have your wing. I'll have you know one has the east, one another has the west, and the other one has the north wing. 
Yeah. We have communal areas. We can go out hunting together if we so desire or go shopping together, but we don't have to be together at all times. Right. But then when the vampire hunters come, I have my coven to help take them out. So yeah. I have, you know, I have the kind of the best of both worlds where I have my autonomy, but I have my friends. Yeah, I feel like it's like the Lost Girls, Sonia Hartle, that we read a couple months ago. Like, I would love to have my 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 girl gang of vampires, and like, I'll just make a Braino lantern, and you know, a hand bird feeder, and then you can go off and do the fun things that you want to do. Yes, but we'll just we'll live together. We can keep each other safe. Yes. We can keep each other alive. That's what that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna be in a trio as well. At least I won't have to go about it alone. I have a best friend forever, and that's a promise made in blood. Uh, please go back and watch our live episode where we met each other for the first time in person forever and it was amazing. It's available on YouTube. Go watch it. <laughs> The audio version is available, but why would you want to when you see us ah, together in the same room? It was amazing. It was amazing. Yes. Okay. Next question. Would you rather be a mist made of eyes or a wolf made of eyes? Mist made of eyes because freaky AF. Yes. I want to be a mist. I just want to pop up and be all misty and be like, Bleh. Yes. Yeah, I think that would be fantastic. And you have, like, you conceal your mist. You just gather your mist all up in the cloak with crosses on. Yes. And you're holding it together with your one withered hand. Yes. But you're just mist under there. A mist made it's of one withered hand, but with a fantastic manicure. Yeah, and some really, like, gaudy fucking rings. Yeah, it's... Yeah. Yeah. Didn't yeah. do Done. Dunsies. <laughs> Last question. Would you rather fall out of an exploding building or get staked by your own stake? <laughs> Just add insult to injury. Oh, getting staked with your own stake is embarrassing. It happens in Kendara Blake's Buffy books quite a bit too, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, more so comic relief. In those books. Then, you know, taking outside and losing your lifeblood is in this book. Yeah. Um, I think I'd rather get staked with my own stake, embarrassing though that may be, because if I'm falling out of an exploding building, like, it seems like they fell out of, you know, an upper floor. And I just don't do heights. I don't want to do that. So That was a I'm long way myself. down. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get staked with my own stake. Yeah, at least we could turn it into a funny story, I'm the same. Yeah, yeah. Did we oh. agree on all of those? Wow. I think we did. I think we did. It's not often that we agree on every single one. No, yeah. Gasp. Gasp. <laughs> oh, okay. Favourite final thought quote? <laughs> Gasp. Gasp. Is that your favorite one? No, no, that, but I enjoyed that it. That was a quote. That was a quote from the book, everyone. <laughs> no, but I did enjoy it. Um, I'll give you a couple. Look at the little human. Thinks he can take on Dracula by himself. What you don't hear is the... <laughs> 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 Stupid motherfucker. 
um, official photographer of the beautiful dead, a growth industry with Dracula in town. Mm. No, no, dog, not Dracula, me. <laughs> me, this bad bitch. Uh, <laughs> have you got any? We have been good students, and we made our own brides and grooms and harvested their power just like you taught us. And then we rip off your head and crush it. Bye, Daddy. Bye, Daddy. Blood keeps you young and beautiful, darling. Drink. <laughs> and that's all I got. That's pretty much the entire text of the book, too. That pretty much is If we're being right. honest. If you like this, try this. What are you going to suggest? Hey, side. Yay! Did not, I've had this for years. I am going to suggest the death. I am going to recommend the Deathless Girls. It's not a comic. It is a book which I am currently showing the Patreon members. It's a very beautiful looking book actually, um, and it's by uh, Kevin Millwood Hargrave, and it is um, Dracula's wives. Nice. So that is the not very... I mean, look at that. It's beautiful. Beautiful. And rather than reading the Goodreads, I'm going to read it from the book. On the eve of their divining, the dear Lil and her twin sister Kizzy are to discover their fate. They are captured and enslaved by the cruel Boya Valka. Far away from the beloved traveller community and forced to work in the harsh castle kitchens, Lil finds some comfort in the stormy-eyed Mira, a fellow slave who she's drawn into ways she doesn't understand. But too soon she also learns about the dragon a mysterious and terrifying man of myth who takes girls as gifts. They may not have had their divining day, but the girls will still discover their fate. Ooh. And yeah, it's about um, Dracula's wives, and I haven't read it yet. Um, Amy McCall Sounds has. Sounds amazing. I know Amy McCall has, beautiful. and she recommends it. Yeah. Um, but I desperately do need to read it. So it might be good for a, a future vampire book club one. Yes, yeah. What have you got? Okay. Mine is another graphic novel, and I started reading it. Um, it's called Dark Fang, Volume 1, Earth Calling, by Miles Gunter, and it's illustrated by Kelsey Shannon. Her name is Vala. She is a vampire who has resided on the bottom of the ocean for a century. When her aquatic paradise is destroyed by a dark liquid plague, she travels to the surface in search of answers. What she finds is a world threatened by climate change and a civilization powerless to stop it. Eventually, mankind will be wiped out and Vala will have no food supply. If she is to survive, then the fossil fuel industries must fall. Now, that summary sounds very, like, preachy about climate change, but in the first part... It's like volume one is like books one through six, I think. Um, but I read the first one and it's just like she's frolicking around the bottom of the ocean for forever. And they're like all of these beautiful sea creatures and she makes friends with a shark <laughs> and it's fantastic. But then 
pollution happens and her shark friend sorry spoiler alert dies and she goes back up to the surface and she just sees everyone walking around with their phones and is like oh my god what the fuck is this (laughs) so i like the illustrations too it's cool it's pretty sounds good yeah do we have a new and indie spotlight i'm hoping you're going to pick what i think you should pick but i'll leave it to you yes actually i have two. Ooh. Yeah, so the first one is not coming out for a while, but we, Fictional Hangover, have known about it for quite some time, but it's only just been announced recently. And I just feel like we have to start hyping it right now, because that's what we do as Fictional Hangover for our favorite authors especially. But I just want to talk a little bit about Dawn Kurtigich. She has a new book coming out, and it's her first foray into adult books. So she's writing uh, with a pseudonym, Rook Bergen, and her book is called The Madness. And we don't really have a summary or anything for it yet, but it's been pitched as a feminist retelling of Dracula set in the moody Welsh countryside where anything Real or imaginary could be lurking in the shadow. I'm so excited for that. So excited for this one. It doesn't come out until May of 2024, though. So I'm sure that as soon as we learn anything else, we will be sharing it with everyone. Also, follow Rook Bergen on social medias. Dawn has set up separate um, accounts for Rook. Yep. So then also, I would like to share another book by Alex DeCampi and Erica Henderson. It's coming out October 4th, so very soon. Mm -hmm. This one's called Parasocial. And this one also, you know, they, they talked about 2020 being a time in the world where you needed to just, you know, delightfully shout motherfucker. So this one is also pandemic-y times. In the middle of the pandemic, a faded genre TV actor, fresh from his long-running series cancellation, collides with an obsessive fan at a Texas convention. When she lures him to her home, he'll have to put on the greatest performance of his life simply to survive until morning. Unless, of course, he's the real monster. (gasps) That sounds like misery, but with a twist. I know, that's how it was described. So, I love it. I love it. Yeah, that sounds really good. Yeah, so that one comes out soon. Okay, I'm putting that on my uh, TBR as well. Yeah. Okay, well, that's it for this episode of Fictional Hangover. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. Join us next time as we discuss Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yaros. Also, we're going to be talking about this one in our book club which you may have noticed is not called Vampire Book Club this time. It's just regular fictional hangover book club because we want to talk about it because everyone is fucking talking about this book. Rightly so, because it's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> Look out for our Would You Rather polls on social media. Don't forget about our book club and monthly challenges on Facebook. Be sure to visit our shop on Redbubble at fictionalhangover.redbubble.com for all your favorite fictional hangover-themed merchandise. And become a patron of ours on Patreon at patreon.com slash fictionalhangover. Until next time, remember, the only cure for a fictional hangover is another book. Motherfucker! Motherfucker!
You can find us at fictionalhangover.com. Follow us on Instagram, threads, TikTok and YouTube at Fictional Hangover. And find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fictional hangover. If you like this episode, check out our others and be sure to rate, review and subscribe so you don't miss out. And finally, special thanks to Liz Emerson for our music. You can find her on Facebook and Patreon. Thanks for listening.